Well, welcome to another edition of Conversations. It's, uh, it's good to see you, good to have you with us. And on Central Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help them grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach the men in today's culture, discussing issues that men face every day. This is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hi, I'm Mike Salen, your host, and I thank you again for joining us today. Have you ever sat back and listened to the voices in your head? Uh, the other day I was watching uh, an old Dick Van Dyke show, and in the show he was dealing with a situation where his wife was out of town, and he was experiencing loneliness, and he was trying to find somebody to, to just hang out with, to spend some time with. And while all this was going on, he was listening to the various voices that was going on in his head, trying to tell him what to do and what not to do. And before he knew it, he was in trouble. I think we all have had those kind of voices in our heads. And sometimes we listen to the right voice. And sometimes we listen to the wrong voice. And, and that is what has gotten us into trouble. And this is what we're going to be discussing to some degree today with my guest. Today, my guest is Pat Morley, founder of Man in the Mirror. Pat, good to have you with us today. Thank you, Mike, and welcome to all of your viewers and listeners. Well, good. I want to share a little bit about your bio here that uh, I have a privilege to have in front of me. Uh, for many of you, probably know, because Pat's been uh, a very uh, forefront person in ministering to men for some probably 40 years or so, I, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. And Pat's been doing a, a weekly Friday morning Bible study for most of those years. I think he started it back in 1986, somewhere somewhere along there. And, uh, and of course, now you can find that find those uh, those on the website on through Man in the Mirror and watch them. And it's, it's been reaching out to many men worldwide. Uh, he has written over 22 books. I'm sorry to say, Pat, I haven't read all of them. I've read most of them, though. And and uh, and the most, uh, probably the most famous book is one of your first ones, and that was called Man in the Mirror itself. And it's been uh, named as the 100 most influential Christian books in the last 100 years. Of course, I said earlier, Pat's the founder of Man in the Mirror. And, uh, and Pat's uh, credentials a little bit. He has a he graduated from the University of Central Florida and also from Reformed Theological Seminary. He has a PhD in management and completing postgraduate studies at Harvard Business School and Oxford University. And of course, currently he lives in Winter Park, Florida with his wife, Patsy, excuse me, Patsy. I wanted to say Patty because my sister is named Patty. So it was easy, trying to easily make that transition. But at any rate, it's good to have you on here with you. Pat, one of the questions I like to ask all of my guests before we get into the topic of our discussion is a uh, probably a verse that uh, God may be using right now with you to speak into your life, or maybe a verse from a men's ministry standpoint that you think is very significant that uh, men need to understand what it means as they apply God's word into their life, and, and a little bit about what that verse really means. Could you share a verse like that for us right now? Sure, absolutely, Mike. And uh, again, thank you for uh, having me on the show. And thank you for being a, uh, a partner with Man in the Mirror for so many years as well and all the close relationships that we share. So, Mike, the question that I have been, and guys, if you're listening, and men, if you're women, if you're listening, the kind of the big issue that I've been thinking about recently, all these decades where 
we've seen so much happen. But then there are all the all the guys that have chosen not to participate have decided to stay on the sidelines, mm-hmm. not, not suit up. And so the question I've been pondering here recently is this, and I think this is the big question because uh, I see it at our Bible study, uh, the one you just mentioned. I see it with other ministries. I see it in the donor world. I see it everywhere. And this is the question. What is holding men back from taking action? Mm. What is it that's holding men back from taking action? And so the verses that I would share are the ones that are also on my mind because of that question. From Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38. So Jesus had been traveling around in Galilee. And in verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he was sickened by their depravity. Well, actually, you know, it doesn't say that, right? (laughs) Well, he he probably was sickened by their depravity and sin. But the first disposition of his heart was when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Oh, yeah. Because he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, and this is a, a men's ministry leader speaking to men's ministry leaders. Guys, gals, we have so many of these men today who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you just park yourself at the intersection of the busiest streets in your community, and you, you'll see hundreds, maybe thousands of cars streaming by filled with men who are experiencing things like, uh, and there's the seven things that I, I see repeating in the work that I do with men. I just feel like I'm alone. I don't feel like God cares about me personally. Not really. My, uh, I don't feel like my life has a purpose, feels random. Uh, I have these destructive behaviors that keep dragging me down. Number five, my soul feels dry. Uh, number six, my most important relationships, they're not healthy. And then finally, you know, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything that's going to make a difference and leave the world a better place. Right. And so when Jesus looks at these men and now the presenting problems, we all know what they are, you know, marriage, family, work, morals, all that kind of stuff. But when you get below the surface into these inner aches and pains that I was just talking about, Jesus looks at these men. And it's the vast majority of them. It's not like we're not talking like 10 percent of the people feel this way. We're talking about 90 percent of the people are in one of these boats, one or more of these boats. And Jesus looks at them and he has compassion. And but then now, guys, picture that you're one of the disciples of Jesus as you are. And you're standing next to him and he's looking at at these cars passing by with all these men inside. Verses uh, 37 and 8 says that then Jesus said to his disciples, the workers are plentiful, but the harvest is small. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't say that, did he? Mm-hmm. The, the workers are plentiful, but the harvest is small. He said the exact opposite. Exactly. He said, yeah. he said, <laughs> he said the, the, work, the, the workers are few, the harvest is plentiful. And, right. and here's the thing, if, if we're not careful we would come to the conclusion 
by listening to all the chatter about the duns and the nuns and the de-churched and the unchurched and the deconstruction of evangelicalism, you will get the impression, if you're not careful, that the harvest is small. But it's not, man. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is not the size of the harvest. The problem is, is that the workers are few. And then Jesus goes on to say, pray and ask, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And so what's holding men back from taking action? I think it's this, Mike. I think, I think it's that we, we don't have an ache for the harvest. How do we get the gospel under the skin of the men who could be the workers so that they have an ache for the harvest? Anyway, that's what I'm thinking about today and over the last couple of weeks. Well, good. I appreciate you sharing that because it's true that I think a lot of us guys uh, don't, I'll say, get it in a lot of ways, especially those of us in church. I know that's one of the things the Lord worked with me um, <clears throat> many years ago on the reason why I needed to be uh, more involved in ministering to men was the fact we have so many men in our churches today who, uh, are, who are just going through the motions and don't really understand what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ and being able yeah. to get out there and work and, yeah. and, and spread the gospel message. And I appreciate you sharing that. But what we want to talk about today is those voices in our heads. Uh, you've recently uh, written a book and uh, I know it's come out to some degree here. We were talking a little bit before we went on the air uh, three, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, the soft copy came out, came out. And the hard copy is coming out later, but uh, you speak a little bit about it. But the, the book is entitled The Four Voices Taking Control of the Conversation in Your Head. And, you know, uh, every one of us men, we got conversations going on in our heads all the time. And how do we sort those conversations out to make sure we're listening to the right voice? This, this is a great book. I, I appreciate you uh, putting it out there and uh, putting putting these thoughts down. Share, share a little bit about how this came about. And I know it was God. God inspired, but uh, how did it all come about? And, uh, and what do you see uh, through this book? Well, Mike, as you said in the open, I've been working with men for decades. Actually, ever since I first became a, a Christian, I was just so astonished when I understood <laughs> the gospel. I just started taking all my friends to lunch and telling them about what I had learned about Jesus. And a lot of them wanted to become Christians too. And so we started Bible yeah. study and so forth. And uh, so I've spent my entire career helping men uh, find meaning and purpose in life. And along the way, it's been very obvious that a lot of men really do want to walk with Jesus and have a, a vibrant relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Yet there are these voices in our heads that uh, keep holding them back. And I wanted to write a book so that guys could understand and get mastery over these voices. voices. And, uh, and uh, there are four voices that are mentioned in the Bible. <clears throat> now, to, today, we have many people in the uh, behavioral sciences mm -hmm. who have figured out all kinds of great applications, especially those of faith-based practitioners. But what I wanted to do was just go all the way back to the source and, mm -hmm. and talk about the four fundamental voices that there are in the world today affecting us. 
Okay. Uh, could, could you share a little light on that? I know that I saw those four voices and, and uh, I think what the, one of the key ones, you know, I think you started out with was the, the voice of the world. And I believe that most of us, that's probably what we're really listening to in a lot of, a lot of instances. Okay. So let me give you the arc of the book. Okay. Uh, we, we all know that we have a running conversation with ourselves all day long. We call it right. self-talk. And right. we need self-talk. Self-talk is how we take the little bits and pieces of our lives and, and forge them into some kind of a congruent story that helps us make sense of our lives. Right. But guys, here's the thing. We are not the only voice in the conversation. There are these four other voices that are constantly exerting themselves to influence what we think, say, and do. And those uh, four voices are the world, the flesh, the devil, and the Holy Spirit. Our job, your job, my job, is to figure out which voice is speaking and then take control of the conversation. So that's the arc of the whole book right there. Gracious. You know, and it's true, true about that. But the... Um, um, how do how do but how do we take these voices and separate them? How do we take the voices and and recognize the fact that this this is the devil and and this is the Holy Spirit? How how do we do that? Well, that is the problem. That's why it's so complicated and so confusing. Right? <laughs> but that's and that's why I did write this book. Is what I wanted to do is I wanted to break it down. And uh, so, for example, you. For those of our, uh, our viewers and listeners who are familiar with uh, the Venn diagram, the three overlapping circles. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the world, the flesh, and the devil, they certainly do overlap. But mm -hmm. what, I, what I've done in the book is I, I wanted to take those and, and separate them out and uh, do a deep dive on each one of the voices so that uh, the reader could get an understanding of uh, how it works and, uh, and then how to master it as well. You know, half of this book is focused on making adjustments. So it's not just a, not just pointing out all the problems, you know. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and, and you, you said a key word there, and it's something that I appreciate you doing, is uh, you wrote this book in such a way that it can be used in small groups. And, uh, and, you, and you have section in there, I believe, that you called uh, making adjustments. And then you even include a personal prayer uh, in each one of those chapters dealing with those voices. Uh, the 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 aspect of it is just, is uh, for the guys to really like you said dive deep into what's going on in their lives and the voices that's going on in their heads. Yeah, as you know, Mike, all of all of my books basically have the same format. They're they're designed with discussion questions and reflection questions at the end of each chapter. There's always a discussion leader's guide at the end, and uh, mm -hmm. there are always practical applications that guys can make. Mm -hmm. And so we put this book uh, and then, you know, as you know, uh, from us having uh, done ministry together, we put these books into our books by the box program so that guys can get them and, and uh, guys can get this book, the four voices in our books by the box program, uh, you know, for uh, in cases of 48 for like a dollar and 85 cents a book. <laughs> So, uh, and uh, what we're hoping is that churches will once again, as they've done with 10 million other books, uh, that we have done over 10 million books now through this program. Right. That churches would uh, get on 
on uh, onto the website and uh, get the books for the men and by the way, and the women in their churches. So I write books for men, right? I'm a men's author. But right. this, book, this book is also, it's, it's written in a, in a more gender neutral tone, uh, not completely, but in a more general uh, gender neutral tone to really make it accessible for uh, the women in the church as well. Yeah. And for, for our listening audience out there, you know, you can go to you know, on the website of books, booksbythebox.org, and you can get that. And I'll, and I'll give you a personal experience from my own self about uh, giving books out to church. You know, we're coming up on Father's Day. Father's Day is three weeks away, third, third Sunday in a month. And one of the things that I did when I was a men's ministry leader in my local church uh, years ago, I used the man in the mirror book for this calls, but you can do the same thing with this book that we're talking about here, is we bought enough books through the books in the box, excuse me, books by the box, to give to every man who walked onto the campus of that church that day, and, uh, <clears throat> and then we gave them an opportunity a couple of weeks later to start meeting with me uh, as we walked through the man in the mirror, and uh, we had over 30 men attend that, and the, and the interesting thing about that is uh, I'll give you one success story. I had a man come to me who was a lineman on the power company. He came to me towards the end and he says, do you have any more of those books? I said, yeah, I've got a bunch of them. What, what do you want for? And he said, I want to give them to every man on my line crew and encourage them to meet with me before we start work once a week and go through that book. And before, before he was done, he had every man on his line crew meeting with him an hour before normal work time to walk through that book. And, 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 and I tell you, that just blessed my heart. So those of you out there listening, that's a that's an example of how you can utilize four voices as you go forward and helping with your men. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. It's pretty encouraging to me, I tell you that. <laughs> well, it, it, it was good. In fact, before the day before, before it was over, he was coming wanting more books. And so so obviously I gave him more books, but that's great. You know, there's one thing I saw in chapter three when I was reading through the book. It was kind of interesting. It really piqued my interest was a, a terminology that you used that uh, in my former life as a uh, human performance analyst with, with uh, the power company, um, and that is the word trigger. You know, we used to use those that word a lot of times to identify the triggers before it takes you, before you make a decision that takes you down the wrong path into right. a place where you make mistakes. And here you're using it from, as an analogy of using it from a standpoint of understanding the triggers that your mind may be, may be uh, talking to you about that may take you towards the path of sin. Can you talk about that? Talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about, yeah, a, yeah, absolutely. What, what's at stake here? Uh, in fact, uh, just, uh, I think it might be interesting to just read a, a couple of uh, sentences here. Sure. Uh, because just reminding ourselves what's at stake here with our men. Mm -hmm. Unless and until you understand the four voices and how they work, you will continue to have inexplicable mood swings. Mm -hmm. You will continue to act out on your worst impulses and not know why. <clears throat> you will continue to be pleasant at work or school, but irritable around your family. Until you know how to adjust what's going on in your head, you will experience 
ongoing frustration because you can't get control of your emotions. Mm-hmm. You will find yourself going to bed angry, waking up in the middle of the night in a panic, getting up in the morning feeling exhausted, and then blindly repeating the cycle all over again. And so figuring out what the triggers are that are, are in your head, the uh, idea here is to use the voice of the Holy Spirit, and which we would talk about how to activate the voice of the Holy Spirit, but to use the voice of the Holy Spirit over against the, the voice of the flesh. So the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh so that we're not to do what we want. And uh, so for, for triggers for you, uh, it, it might be a, a habit that your spouse has. Mm-hmm. It might be a, uh, if it's a, a lust of the, the eyes, it might be some material possession that uh, sets you off and you're willing to throw away your brains in order to, to get that thing. Uh, or it might be that the devil knows how much you have struggled to accept that God has forgiven you. We have a man at our Friday morning Bible study. He did hard drugs for many years, heroin. He's been clean for four years. He came to me one morning and he said, I know that God has forgiven me, but I'm having a hard time forgiving myself. Sensing that the devil was speaking, the voice of the devil was speaking to him and keeping him in bondage. I asked him, I said, so you believe that God has forgiven your sins. Is that right? He said, yes, definitely. And you're having a hard time believing uh, that you can forgive yourself. Is that right? He said, yeah, I'm having a hard time with that. And then I said, so let me understand this. You're basically saying that you have a higher standard for forgiveness than God does. Is that right? And the lights came on and he took another, you know, big step forward in his in his pilgrimage. But the, 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 the lie of the devil. And so the devil knew how to trigger him with the shame and the guilt of his past. Oh, yeah. And, and, and he does that so well. And it's and it's something that uh, uh, after I did my human performance training, I, I recognize and I see triggers in my life these days. I recognize yeah. even even in, in, you know, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a perfect human being like Jesus was. I'm, I still show those signs of sin from time to time. And, I'm, and I've recognized those situations where certain things in my life triggers me to, to tempt me to walk down a path that I don't need to walk. And I think we probably have those running in our minds all the time if we just learn to, to recognize those things. And that is, that is a great, great example. And, uh, and sometimes we do uh, have a higher standard than what God himself does placed on ourselves and, and and we need to walk through walk through that appreciate you sharing that appreciate you sharing that I really do you know maybe we ought to just be taking a, a, a do a little cameo on each of these voices just to 
give the uh, the listener here some kind of an overview of the uh, sure absolutely that's what that's what next what I was going to I wanted I wanted to talk a little bit about each of these voices what they yeah. what they need to look at it and say and like I said earlier the voice of the world and that's what we're hearing a lot these days about how we need to behave from the world the, the kinds of things we need to do not do and all that and let's let's just talk talk about that voice a little bit of, that, of the world and how that's influencing us right now. Yeah. So uh, Blaise Pascal, who's one of my heroes, most of my heroes, I like to pick dead heroes. Then <laughs> they can't mess me up later, you know. <laughs> yeah, <I was> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Pascal, the uh, French mathematician and mm -hmm. theologian. He said all men, and today he would have probably written all people, right? Mm -hmm. But he wrote that all men seek happiness. This is without exception. It is the chief motive of every action all the time, mm -hmm. even of those who hang themselves. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, Mike, to tease that out a little bit, he said two men, uh, uh, there are two men, war breaks out, and one of the men goes off to fight the war, but the other man decides to stay home. But they both did it for the same reason, because they thought that that was the thing that would make them happy. And so the world is telling us that Jesus Christ alone is not enough to make you happy. You oh, yeah. need something else. Mm -hmm. And so... All of the all of the isms, whether it's nihilism or hedonism or materialism, whatever it is, all the isms, they're basically all trying to do the same thing. They're trying to tell you that they have the answer. Here's what I found interesting. I've made this discovery a, a number of years ago that all forms of secularism and Christianity are not trying to solve different problems. They're trying to solve the same problems in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so the isms are trying to promise you that they can make you happy. But as, as you and I know, uh, they end up creating idols, uh, idols that disappoint. And uh, we don't end up then not giving thanks to God. We can end up suppressing the truth. And uh, so what the world wants us to think is that, you know, uh, so uh, Colossians 2.8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, theisms, which depend on basic human principles and the uh, human, human traditions and the basic principles of this world, world, rather than on Christ. So the whole idea of the voice of the world is trying to take us captive. And so uh, what... Uh, so each chapter, and then in this chapter in the world in particular, we, uh, uh, at the end, there's this section I have called Making the Adjustment. And I keep uh, giving a cumulative set of uh, disciplines, virtues, and habits yeah. that men can use uh, to help them make the adjustment to these voices in their heads. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 and I uh, appreciate you, you doing that too to help us work through that. The next yeah. one is that you talk about is the flesh, and uh, and you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, we take the seem like the flesh and the world kind of synonymous in a lot of ways, but you kind of break that out differently. So, uh, can you can speak to that a little bit? Yeah, 
Now, just so I'm clear, I'm only telling in this book what the Bible says about these voices. You know, I'm not trained in the behavioral sciences. I understand. So I'm, I'm, I'm trained in theology and business, and so I stick to, to what I know. I understand. So with, with regard to the flesh, okay, so the world is saying things uh, from the outside that appeal to the flesh inside. Uh, there, there are three dialects to the flesh, the voice of the flesh, that capture most of how the temptations of the flesh come. And they're found in 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17. And uh, it's the world, uh, it, it, it's the, 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 uh, the world bringing these temptations to us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so the, let's just break that down a little bit. The lust of the flesh, guys, uh, most of us, when we think about the lust of the flesh, we think about sexual temptation, and obviously that's a big part of it, but it's, it could also be uh, the temptation to uh, eat too much. It could be the temptation to uh, become addicted to some kind of a substance, uh, so the, the, the lust of the flesh, and then the lust of the eyes. So th this is where the desire for more, more, more comes, you know. I, you know, uh, Jesus Christ isn't alone. Jesus Christ alone can't make me happy. I need to have this car. Jesus Christ alone isn't enough to make me happy. I need to have my kids in that school, whatever it is. And then finally, the, the pride of life. And Jesus spoke to this most eloquently when he was talking about the, the, the Pharisee and the, and the publican. And uh, the Pharisee beat on his chest and he was proud of himself. But the, but the tax collector said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so you, we see this especially, Mike, in younger men. Uh, but we see it just as strongly in older men, but better concealed. <laughs> you know, I, I like the story. I believe it was in this chapter on the flesh uh, uh, of the young man who, who didn't want to be uh, all about money. But he ended up allowing the possessions of the world, so to speak, become the replacement of that money and dealing with his job and, and things like that, with basically stepping over other people to, to get where he wanted to. And uh, um, is, that, is that in this chapter? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I could, I couldn't remember exactly where it was at, but anyway, it, yeah, it's I, an interesting it's story. Nice guys that end up thinking that, that money's going to solve their problems and yeah. success will make them happy, they right. definitely fall into this chapter. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that is the young guy who became the vice president of the publishing company. Yeah, I that know. was yeah. it. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And he, he spent, he spent, he wasn't concerned about the money, but he was, he was more, uh, more interested in in the prestige of looking exactly. looking better, you know, yeah. In, yeah. In, in that area, super. And then the next thing is and the I know that guy personally, by the way. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was a real story or just one that you had you uh, uh, the Lord had given you just to kind of use as an analogy to help us to understand. Typically, <laughs> use real stories. This guy's some yeah. of the details. <laughs> well, I always wonder when I read your books, when I read your books, I look in there, I said, all the stories are so unique. I said, does, does he really, does he, does, does somebody tell him these or does, has he experienced this or is these the things that God has just given him as ways to show analogy of a, of a, of a subject he's trying to make a point on. 
So I think some of them probably are uh, compilations, you know, point from here and that, but I think 90% of them really happen. And my big thing too, I love meeting with men one-on-one. And so oh, I've, yeah. I've literally met with thousands of men over these years. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, when guys uh, meet with me, they, they're, they're t- we're meeting because of Jesus. So they're telling me their stories. So I hear the I hear some really really crazy things, <laughs> really crazy things. Oh my god! I can imagine because I have heard a few crazy things myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, all right. Then the next one is the devil. We yep. uh, we hear the devil, and we seem yep. to most of us will sit back and say, "Well, I know when the devil's talking to me. I, I understand that, you know." But I don't think we really do, do we? <laughs> Well, the devil is uh, trying, basically the devil's job is to destroy what God is trying to build, right? Right. Uh, and I think part of it is uh, a lot of guys, not probably not, nobody on this particular uh, podcast, but uh, I think a lot of men <clears throat> really struggle to believe that the devil is a real entity, a real being. They think of the devil as more of a social construct but Jesus was absolutely certain that the devil was real. There are, are about 90 references to the word devil or Satan in the Bible, and about 30 of those are used by Jesus himself. So he was absolutely convinced that the devil is a real entity. Calls him the father of lies. Right. <clears throat> so what I wanted to do in that chapter, in this chapter, Mike, in particular, is I wanted to present two let's call them opposing narratives about the devil. He is the CEO of sin. He, he is the tempter. He is the deceiver. Uh, and he is extremely sneaky. Uh, but he's also, um, dare I call him a, a wimp? He's the, he's the cussing parrot on your shoulder. And all you really have to do is reach over and flick him off. I think perhaps, and I say this in the chapter, that one of the devil's greatest accomplishments is to create the illusion that he has more power than he really does. He can be felled with one simple name, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's so important that in that chapter, not only do I talk about the full armor of God in the uh, adjustment section, but I also have a sentence that I've been using myself ever since I'm pretty sure I heard this from uh, Billy Graham, uh, but I can't be 100% sure of that. But I say, and usually several times a day, sometimes even out loud, but mostly in in my head, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, verse 4. That's good, and and it's true. And sometimes we we succumb to his voices very easily because we don't recognize him as who he is, and that is a is a, a someone who is not powerful. Jesus is the most powerful of all that can get us through that. And then finally, we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, yes, go into that in in chapter five, I believe it is four or five. I can't remember which one it is. But um, I believe it's chapter five, yeah. And uh, you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit and how to how to make applications, and so you can understand when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Uh, 
Yes. So uh, John 14, 26 says, and the counselor, the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus speaking, and the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, watch this, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So the role of the Holy Spirit is manifold, but number one, he's helper. He's paraclete. He comes alongside us. And, and then he is interceding for us. He's, inter, he's our intercessor. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, he's interceding for us with groans so deep that words cannot express. And then he's our power, our dunamis. He's dynamite for us. Uh, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so helper, intercessor, power. Why is it that most men are not experiencing this? Uh, in the book, I tell a, a story. It's a cute story, so I'll tell it uh, here, I guess. Uh, when I brought my first Harley home, I always had motorcycles, but when I brought my first Harley home, I was so excited the next day to get up and go take it for a ride. So I got up early and I went out, cranked it up. It wouldn't crank. It wouldn't turn over. So I jiggled the ignition switch. Nothing. I checked to make sure I had gas in it. Nothing. I, I checked the fuel cock to make sure that that was open. And then I looked at the battery cables and I actually took the battery cables off and put it back on. And, and, uh, and I was boiling mad. I, this thing is just a 650-pound paperweight is what it was. So I waited till the Harley dealer opened up, and I called him up, and I was fuming. And I said, I want you to come pick up this motorcycle. It doesn't, doesn't work. It won't start, and I don't want it anymore. So you need to come pick it up. <laughs> and the uh, cool, calm uh, person on the other end of the line <clears throat> said, well, sir, could I ask you a few questions? I said, yeah. <laughs> they said, well, <clears throat> uh, first of all, uh, when you uh, turned the ignition on, did you jiggle it around just to make sure that there, the connection was good? I said, well, yeah, of course I turned on the ignition. And then they said, well, did you make sure there was gas in it? I said, uh, well, of course I made sure there was gas in it. Did you check the fuel cock? Yes. Did you make sure the battery cables were all connected? Yes. Did you uh, turn on the little switch on the, the on-off switch on the handlebars? I said, the on-off switch on the handlebars, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, the Harley has a little separate safety, I guess, on-off switch on the handlebars, and I, which I knew nothing about. And so, <laughs> so I was able to turn that second switch on and then release all the power of this 650-pound beast. And it was a beast. And so what uh, we really focus then on in this chapter is helping men not only understand that they have received the Holy Spirit, but how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as well and go through some uh, detailed steps to help them with that. <laughs> That's some kind of embarrassing when you when you think you understand something. <laughs> and the and the and the true expert comes in and says, Well, did you do this? And you say, uh <laughs> no. 
you know, and that's what we love to have. You're right about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's just sitting there waiting to to speak into our lives, and and sometimes we'll we'll question guys about what their their decisions they're making, and then and. and come to find out they did not listen to the word of God, the Holy Spirit speaking into their lives. Absolutely. And so that's, that's what we need to do. Well, Pat, we're coming up on our time here shortly. Yeah. And, and I do appreciate you joining me and going through it. And I want to give you a minute or two to just kind of sum everything up of what we talked about in the book and, and, uh, and, and anything else that you may want to uh, talk about as far as uh, reaching into men's lives. I'm going to give you those minutes right now. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, uh, I am wanting to make a huge promise through this book. And that is that uh, you can get control of the conversation in your head. You know, when, you, uh, when you're getting up in the morning and you have different uh, thoughts, voices coming at you from different directions, how do you, you know, take control of those uh, those voices how do you take control of this conversation and um you know you can feel the power uh, and presence of the holy spirit you know when you get up in the morning uh when you uh, are thinking about going to work when you're thinking about your relationship with your wife if you have one and your children if you have them uh when you go to the gym when you are with friends, when you're thinking about the purpose of your life, when you're thinking about uh, how you can make a difference in the world, you can feel confident that you are listening to the, the right voices if you understand what they are. There's power in knowledge. And so the purpose of this book is really to release uh, that power in, in, in our lives. Make sense? Makes sense. Makes sense. And those of you in our listening audiences that may have just uh, tuned in or, or, or to this, you can, I would encourage you to reach out and get uh, the, the full voices. Can I tell them about the uh, this week thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just found this out myself two or three hours ago, but we have a great team working on this book. And so it's going to be, you can download this book right now. Between now and this Friday, uh, June 4, you can download the book for free on Kindle. So what we're asking people to do is to go and download it, read it, and then uh, if if you and then give an honest evaluation, uh, uh, an honest review on the on the book. If we can uh, get the the numbers of reviews up, that it, it really helps. I mean, it's it's uh, it's number four in Christian men's issues here. Uh, I don't even know. I have no idea how that happened, but it's number four in Christian men's issues in the Kindle store. And so if we can get uh, a number uh, of people to go ahead and download that and then uh, post these honest reviews, that would really, really be a, be a help. So free book. Thank you. There you go. There you go, guys, and, and, and Pat, be sure that I, I I will be putting a review out later today on this book uh, as I finished uh, finished going through it, and, and it's very. Uh, for those of you out there who are interested in getting a pile of these books, uh, there once again we mentioned it at the very beginning. You can go to booksbythebox.org and you can get these books at a, a very reasonable price. And I would encourage you to get enough of them that you can, for Father's Day to give them out to all the guys in Father's Day as a part of your men's ministry. I think it would be a tremendous. Ad- 
asset and then probably set up a a time where you can uh, set up small groups with these guys to go through this book. I think it would be very, very beneficial to all your men. Of course, that's the founder of manandmirror.org. You can go out there and manandmirror.org and find out all the other uh, uh means and resources they have available to you and i would encourage you to do that if you're more interested in what we do here at kfear men you can go to kfearmen.net and see uh, see what we do it tells us a little bit about us and you can email me at mike.salen at kfearmen.net for more information so pat once again i thank you for joining me today I appreciate it. Maybe we can have you on uh, later on and uh, uh, as the book gets out there and we see what's happening, maybe we'll have some stories to talk about as you start hearing some of the things that's happening with these small groups with this book. So, interview. Mike, I'll come on your show anytime you want. Oh, I appreciate, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> you're, you're the real deal. You're the real well, deal. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I, I will tell you this. I'll tell you this. Ron Reed is probably listening because uh, Ron Reed's going to be on next week with me. And, okay. he, and when he heard that you're going to be on, he sent me a message that says, thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, I've got to follow Pat. <laughs> well, I would say the same thing if I had to follow Ron. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. well, everybody, I do appreciate you being with us today. And uh, if uh, anytime we can be a service, you reach out to me at Mike.Salen at hatefearmen.net and we will be glad to minister you in any way we can and as a mentor of mine that pat knows real well that shared with me many times after he got through praying over me he would say i pray that god will give you a rock to stand on a brook to drink from and a tree to shake you by god bless you and we'll see you next time on intentional conversations with mike Sanford.